Now, just a, a quick word. Um, as you know, Chat 10 Lops 3, been around for five years. Uh, just it's a burgeoning sinkhole of sort of semi-useful enterprises. <laughs> <laughs> it's spawned a Facebook group, newsletter. Um, Instagram, Twitter, this podcast that you're listening to, you can yep. go and sign up for the newsletter if you want, chat10looks3.com. Oh, well done. <laughs> APIs. Um, but we've also got a subscriber button too. Disappointingly, it doesn't get you anything else extra because we want to keep everything available and free for everybody. The newsletter, the um, Facebook group and podcast and everything. Um, if you've got a few shiny coppers to spare, and obviously not everybody does, um, head to our website, www.chat10looks3.com, and there's a little subscribe button. Well, there's not actually. You have to click on menu. Oh, sh- okay. When you click on the menu, Details. it comes down, and then it says subscribe in there. Thank God I was here to rescue that yeah. promotion. So, yeah, and visit if you our menu. Subscribe, if you'd like um, to, I'll give you Lisa's home address. <laughs> and, uh, you can pop round and, um, you know, jump on her in the shower. You're oh, welcome. God, that's actually terrible. We can't say that. Well, hi. Hi. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, okay. Keep been doing a lot of reading. A lot yeah. of... Yeah. I've been doing a lot of TV watching. Have you? Yeah. No. Have you been watching any TV? I've uh, been watching The Great. Oh, yes. Now, that is on my list. Yeah. What do you think? Loving it. Yeah, I've heard actually. good things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've heard really it's good things. It's very, very... It's full of pointy corners like you know it's sort of it's a bit like veep actually is it yeah i mean it's a bit funny is it oh god yeah yeah but sort of so black like there's stuff you're like oh my god that's appalling (laughs) but yeah it's um yeah it's funny yeah okay yeah um i was thinking i'm gonna i might go to it next just because i just finished uh do you remember the show that i was so massively into the bureau. Yeah. Oh my god. It was your new Americans. Oh my god. But it's like had a hundred seasons. Have you now finished it? Yes. So oh I can't do it. Is this gonna be like now three years of you oh, explaining my. the kind of So oh I god. when I came I to it there were already four seasons on yeah. SBS on demand. So right. I was happily able to just go through all of them and it, it was just like the Americans, I'd be talking to you but just thinking hurry up and finish because I just need to get home and watch the bureau like it was just wow. so it's oh. fantastic oh it's I don't about- need one of those though because I've got heaps of writing I've got to do in the next few months so like oh, oh I wouldn't I really yeah. and save it for Christmas maybe I'll holidays. make it a little treat Christmas yeah. holidays yeah because you'll just get stuck into it so yeah. for anyone who hasn't heard me bang on it about it before it's a French a spy thriller. It's about the agency that runs their foreign intelligence service and it's about the undercover agents and their handlers and their sources, basically. Right. And it's really tense and amazing and the oh, it's just, it unfolds like a fantastic... Do you little... think that you would make a better spy now as a result of having watched these thousands of hours of spy <laughs> dramas? Like, I, mean... you know we were, we're, I was watching it the other night with somebody and we, and we were talking about would we be able to do those jobs? And I said I definitely could not do one of the field jobs. I would not have the nerve for it to right. have an identi- a secret identity. But you'd identity like to be the, the controller that just sends people to their doom. I don't even know if I'd like to do that because I think yeah. the pressure is immense. But I think I would probably have some skills to be able to do the backroom surveying the big picture landscape, thinking a few moves ahead, analysing the right. data rapidly to, to figure this out what's going on. survivor viewing will also <laughs> come in handy. <laughs> but no, the, the, the nerve that those people have to have to just go out and um, meet people and, oh, my God, anyway. I think but, I'd really struggle with the hair. Like, uh, the quick change would just oh, be... Just, just you'd useless. be a bit too memorable. At some point, there'd just be, like, some buffy hair poking out and I'd get made. <laughs> just like, God, it's that stupid crab chick. 
<laughs> the uh, so I'd watched the four seasons and I knew they were working on a final season, but I just had no idea when it was happening. And I just through complete chance saw somebody tweet the other day that the Bureau season five was up on SBS on demand. So I just went, <gasps> Oh my god! And, and then, you already finished it. Yep. Oh, I could sake. not stop watching it. I was just emptying wow. the diary to just stay home to watch the <laughs> ten episodes of it, and it was really fantastic. And a, and a just the quality continued but a big whack of it the reason I thought of it suddenly is because a big whack of it is set in Russia this season oh, um, okay. and so the great made did you, me did you, were you peering around looking for Philip and Elizabeth in the back in the rear of shot uh, no but it feels like a quite a good companion piece to the Americans actually yeah, right. and in fact I was listening to uh, let me just see if I can call it up on my Spotify um, there's a scene where they're using some music from Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet and um it is the Montagues versus the Capulets, and it. Did you say Capulet or Capulet? Capulet. Capulet. I mean, I was going to correct me. Yeah, no, I was just going to let you like hang out there like Montague's a bit of grubby laundry. That's the the uh, <laughs> the. Hang on, I used to stop. say Montague when I was a kid, so like. Oh, hang on, it's coming. This way. I'm just going to hold it up to the one mic. Okay. Hang this on, is wait. professional. Very famous bit of music. Hang on. Where is it? This is going very well. Here it comes. This is the famous part. Oh, yeah. Okay. You'll know it straight away. You might not have known where it was from. Oh, yeah. I'm just visualising Torval and Dean in my head right now. <laughs> way to go, making a beautiful piece of music. Doesn't that make you think of Philip it's, and Elizabeth, though? It's so spy yeah. And it, but it's just that sort of discordant, like, disturbing, um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so yeah. Russian. Yes, it is. And it's just, it reminded me of the opening of the Americans. Yeah. Oh, God. I'll stop it. I'm getting, I'm getting a kind of physical reaction. Oh, God, credit, um, credit music is so, like, important isn't it like opening titles are so important yeah although that was just in the middle of an episode no no I know but I was just thinking like when you were Badly reproducing the uh, Americans <laughs> oh, I think in I a way that no, you really didn't. It was really, really unusually bad. <laughs> no, they they are, and in fact, I think um, when somebody does good opening titles, oh. I love the way that it encapsulates the whole gist of the show. Like um, one of my favourites ever is Dexter, which sadly oh, jumped God. the shark, yeah. many, you know, a few yeah. seasons in, but the. The premise of Dexter is this serial killer hiding in mm-hmm. plain sight. Never and seen one second of that. It just oh, looks like great. utter trash. Oh, no, yeah. the first couple of seasons are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, with John I've learned to take these recommendations from you. <laughs> tiny, tiny bit of salt. The opening titles are Dexter going about his morning routine, juicing an orange and flossing his teeth and doing things. But the way that they've shot it, it makes everything look incredibly sinister. Yeah. So the floss looks like he's getting ready at thing to strangle oh, somebody. Oh, right. Oh, that's um, quite cool. The way that the knife cuts the fruit and the sort of juice splatters out. Oh, it's like okay. a blood splatter. It's really, really cool. The other one that I think is fantastic is um, Mad Men. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, that's immortal. Absolutely yeah. iconic one, yeah. And even, I think I've said this on the pod before, but The Sopranos, which is just Tony yeah. Schmano driving home. Oh, yeah. As soon as I hear this sort of opening, bow, buck, 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 I just feel like, oh, God. 
straight away. I remember when we used to watch West Wing when we lived in Canberra, like, you know, 20 years ago. And that sound. It's got the big soaring. Yeah, yeah. And I used to get up and, like, dance to it. It, it was just so exciting <laughs> that there'd be a new episode that I'd be, like, kind of, I did interpretive dance. Which, do, you remember, uh, do you remember also when the theme songs, this was more of our childhood, it, the theme song would be expository and would explain the entire yeah, premise of like the, the nanny. Show. The nanny, yeah. <laughs> she was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, when her boyfriend kept her out in one of those crushing scenes. What was she to do? Where's she to go? She's out on her fanny. <laughs> but only oh my the Sheffield star. She was there. The father saw her. She had star chef where she was there. Now she became the daddy. Who would have guessed that the girl just described was just exactly what the doctor prescribed. Do you know, just every now and again. I take my jacket off now. Sometimes I just think that nothing that you could do would ever surprise me. But then every now and again, yeah, you just go somewhere where I think, yeah, okay, you are actually weirder than I thought. Or Gilligan's Island, you know, oh, yeah. like the whole, the whole but, thing. But why don't they do a series with an expository intro anymore? I mean, you know, that would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, I guess because I mean, I suppose just <laughs> this is the secret Soviets in a. <laughs> the, um, I'm just trying to think if there are any. I mean, these days, basically, I think oh, it's all very pared back. It is very yeah. paid back. And, I mean, I notice you can just skip intro. Uh, so I know. So, was allowing me to skip intro all the time. So, yeah. I guess there's that. Which is, if you put heaps of work into the intro. And, I mean, See, like, I Succession, I think, is one of the great intro sequences. It's a goodie. Yeah. I suppose the expository theme song is required. Just, I'm just thinking this through. Please never sing that nanny thing again. <laughs> She's the lady no. in red when everybody else is... I've changed key now. Wearing tan. Um, so... Gilligan's Island, I guess if they didn't explain it all, you know, sit right back in here, a tale, a tale, a tale, then you would maybe wonder why are all of these people, why are all these people on this desert island together? Are these really strange people that seem really not connected at all? What are they all doing here? Or the Brady Bunch, you might be thinking, why why are there so many children in this house? Or I dream of genie. Like, why is he like living with a genie? Rewrote. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah that, I was, that only just had music though, didn't that it? Needs, Although yeah. it had a little cartoon that, that explained needs where he background. Yeah. Was I was the I dream of genie music? Was that the, uh, or da, Alf? Da, da, that would be da, a tricky da, da, one da, da, to explain. Da. You know, without the little, <laughs> without the little opening thing. Is, was I dream of genie? Da, 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 da. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that was a great yeah. little song. Different from Bewitched, which is like... They had great music, all of those songs. Do you know, know my all-time favourite? Oh, Get God. smart. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. I'm just never going to get you off this now, am I? No, there were some Stay tuned for the upcoming Lee Sales album. <laughs> Expository introductions Gold to Girls TV shows favorite. that you've forgotten. I like that song. Do you like the Golden Girls song? <laughs> like the Golden Thank Girls. Thank you for being a friend. My apologies to everyone at home. Yeah, wow. Me. Horrendously this is bad. scarring. Ooh. So anyway, yes. you liked that series. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I just had this funny um, realisation. I recently read and enjoyed, luckily, a book that it turns out has since, like, the publisher has advertised on the podcast. Oh. And I thought, oh, that means I can't talk about it. But then I no. thought, well, actually, no, look, I mean, to make it clear, yeah. um, uh, I actually didn't know that this outfit was 
putting an ad in the podcast. Um, yeah. But luckily, I did enjoy the book. Um, that is not how things work on this podcast, by the way. Nobody who puts an ad on <laughs> then gets a positive review. Of course, because we're so administratively competent, I didn't even know that there was a connection. <laughs> but anyway, there isn't a connection. Um, the book is, um, I just sort of... The post-COVID hangover is pretty profound I reckon I've just been feeling really of late and I feel like the structure from my life has gone like my kids are just like doing too much screen time it just feels like you know one of my kids is just like refusing to go back and do like gym which she really liked Mm. before you know and I just feel and I feel really lethargic and kind of a bit depressed and just like I just feel like we're just all blobs Totally. Mine won't do piano practice and I just don't don't have the energy to, like, make them. Yeah. It's really – it's awful. Like, I just feel, yeah, like the shape of life has sort of gone Mm. a bit. Um, Anyway, um, so I have sort of slightly – you know when you're kind of already feeling a bit like, oh, we're all doomed? Um, It's kind of (laughs) – you look for something a bit more escapist. <laughs> it's incredible how we've gone from my uplifting know, rendition of the really nanny to doom. Yeah, I know. Anyway, so I um, read this book. It's it's a, like it's a thriller. It's yes. a kind of you know what's it called? It's called the Safe Place. Yeah, it's written by an Australian writer. I think well, she's. We, I think we call her Australian now. It's a debut novel. She was from um, the UK, but. I think married in Australia and moved here, so she's ours now. Okay. Um, and um, anyway, so this it's a thriller and it's about this young woman who is like a struggling actor. She's not doing very well. She's doing temp work at this company. She gets the sack. And then the boss kind of mysteriously takes her out to lunch and said, listen, you know, it didn't work out at the company, but I've got another job for you. And the job is for this young woman to travel to his remote property in France and be a kind of companion and housekeeper to his wife and their six-year-old daughter who has health problems that are not really explained. So she goes there and um, she uh, settles in really well, um, kids a bit strange, um, and then she finds out something about the family that, immediately catapults it into this like white knuckle thriller anyway total page turn and mm. very very nicely written as well so okay. you've got the kind of like the galvanizing force of a really twisty plot oh great but the writing isn't kind of like gross and embarrassing like it's just it's like yeah she's, okay she's nailed it anyway so I'm it's like a holidays next week so that might be a good yeah, read yeah 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 um also pity those advertisers because now they spent money advertising I know. and they didn't really Sucked need in. But you can never, ever bet on that because I won't, like, as no, you know, true. You I miss even the it. best books sometimes. So, yeah, anyway. But um, so, but to balance that out, I also did read... So I read this other book that is a bit kind of, uh, you know, wow, the end of the world and the environment as we know it kind oh. of thing. Like, it's a bit... Um, what was it? Um, it's by James Bradley, uh, oh, yeah. who's an, Ameri- uh, an Australian writer, um, and he's had a lot of success with... Um, number of novels um but sci-fi this one is, sort of stuff no look it's sort of like um he's a beautiful 
beautiful writer. Um, this story is about, and he's always got kind of like an environmental theme. This story is about a scientist, a woman who um, is called in to help on this mysterious project that's in um, the bush in Tasmania. It's um, completely funded by this mysterious tech billionaire. She goes there with her husband or partner um, with whom she's sort of had a quite recent tragedy. So she's quite vulnerable. And what they are, it turns out what the secret project is um, in this sort of hidden in this Tasmanian wilderness is that they are using ancient DNA to rebuild um, extinct creatures. So like oh, they've yeah. made a thylacine, you know, um, and her job is to recreate um, a Neanderthal person. So this tech billionaire's thesis is to ensure the uh, survival of the Earth's ecology, then you really need to kind of rebuild um, pre-Ice Age kind of um, life. Anyway. What's the name of it? It's called um, Ghost Species. Okay. And I'll, look, I'll leave it there for the plot. Um, it is a... It's um, a twisty, um, very, very gripping. And I, look, because of my general feeling of like, oh, God, um, doom, I thought, am I, is this going to make me feel um, uh, even worse? But it didn't, actually. I mm. mean, and um, it's one thing about Bradley as a writer is that he, he does always combine um, a, a really intriguing plot with some really deep questions about, um, in this case, um, our relationship to the earth, our assumption that the earth just sort of rolls on, you know, whatever we do, um, and our role um, as a species in decision making about, um, about how to use the power we have. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, I read... Less depressing than you fear. <laughs> I read Christopher Pine's memoir, The Insider. Oh, <laughs> Have you? Another end of species thriller. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah, I have read it. It is, um, look, it's a classic pine. It's full of these sort of, <laughs> I mean, like, I was actually crying laughing by about page five where he reports that as a, you know, like seriously as a nine-year-old, he developed a secret ambition to be a priest and, um, <laughs> and kept like slipping anonymous notes into the sort of desk of the priest at his school, like a teacher, um, you know, about um, his um, devotion to, you know, the study of the Lord and so on. And eventually this teacher who knew immediately who these ridiculous <laughs> notes were from sat him down and just said, listen, you know that if you, you know, if you do become a priest, you don't just instantly become Pope. Like, I mean, that's, you know, and Chris was like, oh. Really? <laughs> he so he... a picture of like regional, you know, parishes and eventually he just dropped it like a... Absolute... So you were at uni with Pine. Yeah, well, What was he like at uni? Exactly the same as he is right now. Oh, that's yeah. classic. So just sort of um, kind of scandalous. Just um, look... I mean, he is absolutely outrageously good company. And oh, I, he's and hilarious. I remember when we did Kitchen Cabinet with him, which was actually the first episode of Kitchen Cabinet that ever went to air, and I got all these confused emails from people, like, just sort of shouting and, like, how dare you? I quite like him now. I don't know. I feel unusual. <laughs> I got this amazing um, Twitter message. I always remember it from somebody whose Twitter handle was Cave Lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, 
I can't ever forgive you for making me like that man. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, you are a one beers cave lesbian right now. I remember you did a show, sort of kitchen cabinet kind of live show mm. in Adelaide. Um, at the Fringe, Adelaide, yeah. A Fringe Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on stage was me, Adam Law, um, Nick Xenophon and Christopher Pine. Right, yeah. And, you know, it's sort of lefty, arty kind of audience. Mm. Pine had them eating out of his Hand. Yeah. It was amazing how he just won that crowd over. Everyone loved him. Yeah, he's kind of, um, I think in conversation, you always, he's just sort of, he's sort of impish, actually. He's probably yeah. the best, um, the best version. And he's sort of so shameless as well. Oh, that he's hilarious. He, it's hard um, not to be amused. Um, this book is has got a whole lot of that kind of quality to it. And I mean, it does, but it's also, it's not just that. It's, I found it a really, some of his insights I found very interesting about um, a few things, just the mood of the electorate, yeah. for one, and the role that religion plays in the Australian electorate off the back of the most recent election, yeah, which right. is not, it's not a forefront kind of yeah. issue, but he sort of explains why he thinks that it sort of loosely impacts people's values and the way they think about things. Yeah. Um, also, just the role of, um, you know, he obviously makes a strong defence for moderate um, conservatism, yeah. basically, or liberalism. Yeah. Um, and uh, why, you know, in his view, the sort of far right of the party um, and the influence of it is out of whack and, yeah. and, you know, why and how that's come about and how under John Howard's leadership that didn't come about and so forth. So I found all of that stuff really quite intriguing. And even... Um, I can't remember. He was on the show the other week, but I yeah. think this may not have made it into the edit. Well, that was just like, <clears throat> that, uh, I'm sorry, but that, like, the video kind of mashup you used as the introduction <laughs> to <laughs> was basically a series of Are You Being Served moments. Oh, it was classic. It was very entertaining. <laughs> um, we talked a bit about, because he spent a period as Defence industry, industry Minister and then Defence Minister, and... I mean, it's a very contentious issue about how much money you spend on sure. defence. Do you build your own hardware yeah. here when yeah. you can just build it offshore more cheaply yeah. um, and quicker? Yep. Um, and so we explored some of those strategic issues. I think we didn't leave it in the edit. I can't remember. But anyway, he made it like a very logical and um, clear uh, argument as to why they did raise defence yeah. spending so high and well, why they did South build. Australia as well, yeah. which has just like lost the car manufacturing industry. So for my home state, it's a survival, you Yeah, know. He, he just made a yeah. straight, uh, he actually pivoted to a straight economic argument, not a, not a military yeah. argument. It's not, yeah. It wasn't about why do we need submarines in 2035. He said, we want jobs in South Australia. Yeah. And so just unashamedly made that argument, yeah. but in a very clear way. So, and I felt, I felt like hearing him explain it, that often it's what's missing in politics, I think, which is people that you, you ask a reasonable question, yeah, why are we building subs here? Mm. And they actually explain using reason and logic their position. Well, love, he can only do that now that he's left politics, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is... But the thing is, a good a good politician, and there have been, you know, some who can do it, um, you should be able to do that when you're in office because if you want people to vote for I you... Know. You need to explain in a disagree. persuasive manner why you're doing what you're doing. And so what you want is people who start from a position maybe of disagreeing with you, thinking, well, this is crap that we're spending all this money yeah. on defence. We should be spending it on hospitals. You want those people to hear me ask that kind mm. of question and then you answer it in such a way that they might at home think, no, well, I don't know if I agree with that, but, you know, I can understand that point. Like, that's what you're hoping for, aren't you? Do you know what? I think that most now, most contemporary senior political leaders, because as opposed to 20 years ago, now 
they give a lot more interviews than they used to mm. off, across all the different kind of platforms. And every interview will lead to more blowback from constituents, from colleagues. So I think that the galvanising imperative now for most political leaders when they give interviews is to answer in a way that's as bulletproof as possible. That means that they don't have any business arising from that interview where they've got to go out and put secondary spot fires. And it, it means that a lot of political interviews are just frankly unintelligible. And I mean, you've yeah. seen it all the time, right? Like totally. you ask a question and then the political figure in question will respond with a piece of boilerplate that sounds like a press release. What it, what it says to me is, uh, as, as just a viewer, not mm. even as the interviewer, is um, firstly, you're not smart enough to engage yeah. and you don't believe enough in what you're doing to actually yeah. engage because you don't believe that you can sell it using logic and mm. reason. Um, and it says you're not interested in persuading people to mm. vote for you. Mm. Uh, you're, you're just interested in escaping an interview without um, messing up. Like, what are you there now for? You see, Lee, comma, if you just ask better questions. <laughs> so tell me, comma, Annabelle, comma, about this wonderful policy you're announcing today and how great it is for all of us. That's the kind of questions people would like to be asked and they will not be asked that. Um, uh, hey, so uh, pine, oh, yeah. the other thing in the Pine book that just made me sob with laughter was there's this weird, I can't even remember where he was. He was on some foreign trip you know that was defense related and he's got a cold or he's got like oh yeah that was great yeah blocked nose yeah and what was he was he so he asks his uh what's the person called who's like his military attache he's charged affair or whatever uh he asks him to go and get some nasal spray and then and they're in in paris and they don't speak french and whatnot so he comes back and so pine puts the spray up his nose and basically nearly blasts his head off he's like oh my god that's unbelievable like and just thinks, sheesh, that's really they really strong nasal spray here. And then uh, he goes about his business for the day, comes home, gives it another blast, and again, like same thing. Like Feeling I just dreadful. feel like I've nearly blasted my head off. That was like feels like I've maybe broken my nose or something. So he goes downstairs to the front desk, and it's not nasal spray; it's air freshener, <laughs> <laughs> straight up his nose. <clears throat> hey, um. <clears throat> Because we've banged on a lot about uh, basketball in recent podcasts. Oh, yeah. And right. I told you God. I was going to start reading my basketball books. I yeah. did, in fact, finish Sacred Hoops by Phil <laughs> Jackson, the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Um, look, it's... Yes, what? <laughs> it was... Strap yourself in. Uh, it was interesting. It wasn't as interesting as I'd hoped. He He's quite an intriguing character. He grew up in a really fundamentalist Christian Pentecostal yeah. uh, upbringing. And so clearly he's a guy who's on a sort of spiritual journey and then he sort of ends up embracing that kind of, I guess, Zen Buddhist sort of being in the moment philosophy and meditation and stuff, which is what he brought to the Chicago Bulls. I felt like I was reading it hoping that it would give me some great insights into just people management or psychology and stuff like that. And it didn't really. I think it, it we got a tiny bit more than we got from the TV show. But what I did, the one thing that stuck with me and that I've been thinking a bit about is um, he does talk a lot about, you know, being in the moment. And he says, so say, you know, this mug that I'm drinking my tea out of, let's mm-hmm. say that was my favourite cup in the world mm. and I just, I dreaded the day when, oh, you know, imagine if I broke it, how bad that would be, blah, mm. blah, blah. He says, it's already broken. It's already gone. Just that's how you have to think of it. You've already broken that mug. It is already lost. Hmm. Um, don't think about, you know, what if that happens? It will happen. It is happened. And so it is going to happen. So view it that it has happened. And then 
it makes you more in the moment because you just enjoy and appreciate the mug while you've got it because it is wow. already broken in your mind. So so whether it's relationships or um, hosting 7.30, it's already over. It's done. It's finished. Um, and then it makes you feel more like you're, you're enjoying it while you're doing it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so that's really sort of stuck with me a bit. And is that a, like have you actually applied that? And, yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just in my... Um, even actually, now that our friendship is over. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, because it makes you what what it what I think it does is it drops away the little annoyances because yeah. you think like um, it's very easy to think say in a relationship um, oh this person doesn't like me enough or um, oh we're going to end up fighting over blah 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 but actually if you think about if you think about it like, yep, okay, so we're already broken up. It's already done and dusted. What it makes you think about then is all the things you're going to miss about yeah, that. Yeah, right. So then all of a sudden your focus shifts from all of the annoying things that the person might do to all of the things that you really like about that right. person. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I found that actually quite interesting. So even things like... Um, because say, for example, work has been, as we were saying before, it's been a depressing time. It's been very busy. I'm really tired and I'm starting holidays in a week. I've got two weeks off in a week and I feel like I am really limping to get to yeah. the finish line to get a break. And um, so it means that everything at work makes me feel like, oh, it's just too hard and I just I don't have enough time and I can't get on top of it. And oh God. Um, and so I've been thinking things like, well, it's it's already over, you don't host 7.30 anymore, it's finished, it's done. Yeah, that's that's in your past now, like that when you used to host 7.30. And what it, what it does is make me think, oh, I don't want it to be over. Like, I love doing it. <laughs> I love hosting 7.30. So it's energising me because it makes wow. me think of all the things I enjoy about doing it. Wow, you should write yeah. him a thank you letter. <laughs> hey, coach. And then you know what will happen, you'll hate me because I'll come in and I'll go, guess what? I got a message back from Phil Jackson. <laughs> oh, God, that is totally going to happen. I mean, it's like it's already happened. I'm already angry about it. <laughs> See, this is working a treat. <laughs> I think you got the wrong message out of no, it. No, <laughs> I'm really angry about the good stuff that's going to happen to you. It's like it's already happened. Oh, my God. Well, hey, you know what's going to happen by the time we next meet and pod? Uh, we're going to have seen the Disney Plus version of Hamilton. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm trying to work out, like, um, when exactly, because it's like, streamed so you can watch it anytime so I can like set up with my kids um thinking about maybe themed food I don't know <laughs> um yeah I think you should do that I think you should do themed food hot dogs and I've got an actual little flutter thinking about it it's the promo is fantastic yeah. that they've cut up and so if the quality of it is as good as that it is going to be electrifying um, I have had a few messages from people complaining about how much we're talking about Hamilton really? on the podcast yeah sod off people <laughs> there's going to be a lot more I'm sorry to say the next pod well, after this will be like full because the... I cannot wait to hear what you think of it and I'm I Oh, I just realised I'm not going to be able to ask you in real life because I'm going to need to save it for a pod, I know. aren't I? Yeah, you really are. Um, <sighs> but anyway, um, look, yeah, so to be warned, there'll be more content. Sorry, people who don't there enjoy it. There will be. Uh, that's just, well, you know, go and do something else. Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we better go because yeah, Anthony's waiting for us yeah, to go all right. and do something. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. This is already over. Literally. It is actually now. Now this we've had the happy convergence of the Phil Jackson yeah, where yeah. where you so think I've it's already, already over. You in the and nose. it is already like, has over. Has that happened yet? Because I feel it's imminent. <laughs>